Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week, an excellent two guests. Richie Zions is Fox's lead NFL producer. Rich Russo is Fox's lead NFL director. They are the producer and director for Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi on Fox's top team. They have been the top uh, producer and director for NFL broadcasts at Fox for many, many years. And we had a great we had a great discussion just on production, um, how they feel things are going with Burkhart and Olsen in year two, how two sideline reporters impact a broadcast, um, some stuff about Fox's 30th year. They tell some fun stories about what it was like working the first year at Fox. Um, also got into, which I just think is interesting, how do you navigate uh, when Taylor Swift is at one of these games, which Fox had to do, that crew had to do. They were one of the first to do it. I think they were the first to do it. And so that's just pretty interesting if you're into like uh, television production and how you try to figure that out. So Richie Zions and Rich Russo coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I said at the top, all right, so I like doing these podcasts because I think it provides listeners with something interesting when you talk to the people behind the scenes. I mean, obviously millions of Americans know who... Greg Olson is, Kevin Burkhardt is, Aaron Andrews is, Tom Rinaldi is, but you don't know these gentlemen, and these gentlemen are as important, if not more important, in my opinion, to the production than your on-air people. Richie Zions is a longtime NFL producer and now the lead producer on Fox's top NFL broadcast. Rich Russo is a longtime director for Fox and the top director on there. Top NFL team. They have been on this podcast before and they return. Please be joined again by Richie Zients and Rich Russo. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great to be here with you guys. I've had cl- I've had cleaner intros, Rich Russo. You, you would have I would have asked you to redirect me on that one, but but we'll 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 do our best and forge on. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna start with you, Richie Zients. Um you have Dallas at Miami uh this Sunday. That's obviously a very, very significant game. Game excuse me, game of the week kind of potential. Is there given your long career in the NFL, is there anything unique about 
doing games in Miami, whether it's the stadium itself, whether it's the weather versus something else. I'm, I'm intentionally asking this open-ended. It means a lot to us because we did a Super Bowl there. So going, pulling into that parking lot, you know, approaching the stadium will bring back great memories of a great Super Bowl. Being in Miami at Christmas time, maybe uh, not your ideal place to be in terms of expecting snow. But we've had we've had we've had Dallas a lot this year. Uh, we've had Dallas very successful at home. We've had Dallas struggling on the road. Miami is kind of fresh meat for us. We knew Mike McDaniel when he was in San Francisco. He's a unique guy, great personality. I think we're all really, really jazzed up for this game. What about you, Rich Russo? Anything specific in direction in terms of being at Hard Rock? Well, it's nice, as Richie was saying, that we have done a Super Bowl there, um, which was terrific, which was a great stadium to to work a game uh, like the Super Bowl at. Uh, it's very unique. I, I, I do think the fact that it is Miami, it's an AFC team, it's a really good AFC team, um, just like we just came back from from doing Buffalo, um, there's a sense of an excitement. Uh, obviously, we have the Cowboys. We've done the Cowboys you know, so many times. Um, but there is a definite sen- sense of excitement to do the Dolphins and the fact that they are such a such a power, such, having such a great year uh, this year. Let me follow up with you, Rich Russo, real quick. So you said you, you called that stadium unique. Well, so what is unique about that stadium in terms of production? Well, I think it, 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 it has some interesting um, camera angles um, during as a Super Bowl. Um Whatever it may happen to be, I mean, basically from a production standpoint, I mean, we're going to show off the city. Okay, we're definitely going to do that. Um, but it's just it's just a very very unique stadium. Uh, and I think when we were at the Super Bowl, we hadn't done many games there. And when we were there, and when I did a walkthrough there for for the Super Bowl, um, it was it was very very impressive. Uh, really really impressive. Richie Zines, this is now your second year with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Um, where would you say your group is at week 16 of year two versus where you were at week 16 of year one? Comfortable. Comfortable. We, um, we achieved comfort as a group fairly quickly last year and just had a wonderful ride through the Super Bowl. And I think this year we just uh, we haven't had great games. That's the only issue is we're all a little disappointed in that all our big matchups have been blowouts for the most part. Um, but we enjoy being around each other. So we, we're able to enjoy ourselves regardless of the score. Doing the broadcasts are pretty much an extension for us of spending time together during the weekend. I think Greg is uh, Greg is a really, really smart, smart guy. He knows the game. He has great relationships around the league and and he's very well respected because his knowledge of the game is so vast. He and Kevin are really close. I just feel like we've just kind of we hit the ground running when this year started, had a lot of momentum. And um, you know, I think we just all cherish every week. So Rich Russo, what about from your perspective? I mean, the reality is you and Rich, you and Richie worked with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for a long, long time. And having talked to other producers and directors, when you have that kind of long-term relationship, in many ways, I don't want to say the game runs on autopilot, but like, you know, everybody knows each other's cadence. There are things that um, get done even through nonverbal means. 
Um, and that's a real big benefit to a production like yours is when you sort of know each other sometimes without having to say anything. So then obviously things change and Kevin and Greg come on. Um, and as Richie Zion said, things have been smooth. I can tell you from my end, just as someone who's a viewer, it does feel smooth. I mean, it's an excellent broadcast and, and it feels very much the same high quality that you guys had with Joe and Troy over the years. So from your perspective in the director's chair, why has this worked? Well, I think what Richie was saying, too, about relationships uh, is super, super important. I mean, Kevin and Greg, number and you've you've heard this. I mean, they've known each other for, for so many years and it's just very it's been very seamless. Um, you know, we, we enjoy each other's company, uh, even you know not on a non Sunday, you know, during the week. I mean, we're constantly, you know, talking to each other, communicating to each other. And I think when we get into the in the chair, on Sunday, it feels like we've been all working together for a lot more than the two years than we've been working. Uh, it almost feels like we've been working 10, 15 years together. It feels very seamless. Obviously, the crew, Richie and I have been with this crew for such a long time, the technical crew. But between Kevin and 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 Greg and, and Aaron and Tom and 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 all the other people that are involved, it just it just seems very, very natural. Um and it, it has been really since we started last year. Uh, I have to say, it really has. Richie, um, because Greg Olson uh, was a tight end and because he sees the field probably differently than uh, a quarterback as such as Troy or, you know, um, I'm trying to think of sort of like a running back, you know, whoever or a coach, I should say, whoever usually traditionally is in the booth. Has that changed anything for you as a producer that Olson looks at the field maybe a little bit differently than other analysts? I think it's still from the offensive point of view. Uh, Troy was so terrific at seeing the game through a quarterback's eyes, and that just doesn't mean offensive football. It's it's, it's really more about the defense and the positioning and the coverages. Uh, Greg, Greg is similar to that. I think with Greg, he coaches his son's football team. So he really is into coaching. And and he discusses coaching strategy on on co- in conversations with coaches around the league. He takes it very seriously. So he's Greg is fascinated with football. He loves football. His dad was his coach. He loves football, and that enthusiasm comes out so naturally. So I I, I think it was an easy transition coming from Troy to Greg. I think the personalities are different. I think the dedication is the same. And I think Greg just truly enjoys uh, the game of football. I'm going to stick with you, Richie Z. And then Rich Russo, if you want to follow, you certainly can. Um, you, you, your, your crew does have times where you have two sideline reporters, uh, Aaron Andrews and Tom Rinaldi. During the weeks when you have that, um, how do you feel like it impacts the broadcast when you add an additional sideline reporter to the production? You've heard this from producers at other networks. The value of the sideline reporter is not based on quantity. It's not based on how often you see them on TV. They are constantly pushing information to us, to the booth. If you were listening to the audio emanating from our truck, you would constantly hear during commercial breaks, Aaron and Tom, we open their mics. They're passing along tidbits, observations they have on the sidelines. So they do so much work. They're so prepared with stories. Luckily, we're all in agreement that gratuitous 
sideline reports have no business in a big broadcast. So at no time ever do Tom and Aaron push stories for the sake of getting on the air. They're both very selfless that way. The flow of information to me is the great value. And they are just as much into the broadcast, whether they get on 10 times a game or whether they get in zero. Rich Russo, my sense from you, from your end, like as a director, the value of having a second sideline reporter would just mean, I, I don't mean to use the word just, would mean that you have another set of eyes, perhaps on the opposite sideline, and you're able to basically maybe see, the broadcast is able to see things firsthand that they might not just because there's more field coverage. You're 100%. Is that, is that fair? 100% correct, Richard. Um, they've been, it's just invaluable. I mean, they, what they see during the course of a game, uh, they can get us, they'll hit us with things, and I can get cameras to certain shots, to certain pictures that they'll see. Um, and it might happen right after a play. It might happen during a commercial. I always say during a commercial is not the time when our camera uh, men and women take off. They're always looking for those pictures on sidelines, whether they're reaction type pictures. Um, and Tom and Aaron see that a lot. And they can really assist and really help us with those type of pictures. Um, and it's 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 really the fact having two sideline reporters, you're right. Tom's going to see one side. Aaron's going to see another side. And we're, we're able to get those cameras to those particular pictures very quickly. Uh, things that they see. Uh, that our camera uh, operators may not may not pick up on right away. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, Richie Z, I want to uh, ask you a question about what I know is one of your favorite subjects when it comes to the NFL, and that's Taylor Swift. So this year, like some other producers and directors, you had to navigate uh, between showing her in uh, a suite figuring out how much one should discuss her at an NFL game while at the same time, obviously not over exposing Taylor Swift. The The problem, if that's the right word to use for you guys is you can't win because there are always going to be viewers out there who are like, you're showing her way too much. There may be other viewers who are like, why aren't you showing her enough? Fox happened to have one of the early games when this was a really, really sort of new story. And you guys, I think in some ways had to maybe set a little bit of a template for others. So I just want your sort of broad picture when it doesn't have to be Taylor Swift. Obviously, it could be famous person X. But this is a uniquely very, very famous person who happens to have a relationship with a very, very famous football player. And you have to, in some ways, acknowledge this. You're just not doing your due diligence to do it. So for my listeners, if you could just give me your perspective as a top NFL producer, like how do you think about this stuff? We were lucky. We were the first ones to have to deal with this issue. We didn't know uh, that she was coming to the game until that morning. This was week three uh, in Kansas City. Uh, so fortunately, we didn't really have time to think about it. I think uh, I think what we did was we, we should have set a template of restraint for other people to follow. I don't, I can't say other people followed it 
well once we got <laughs> past. We, I can't say it was followed well after after we had it because we, I think we we showed restraint again. It was new; it hadn't happened before. We hadn't had to see what other people did. Obviously, the announcers are not going to lead us into it. It's a matter of us being uh, showing restraint and not constantly putting her on TV. But it's 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 uh, it would be irresponsible to think you don't show her. I mean, this is a huge. This story transcends football and sports. It's a it's a cultural thing. So you know, we had the first crack. I think we showed restraint. I think we did it enough. I don't think we did it too much. Um, and I'm mostly because we we didn't have time to really plan anything out. Now I'm I'm told that it, at other places there were actually meetings about how to deal with Taylor Swift in a broadcast. So um, I'm thankful I'm not at those places. Uh, I love. I would love to be in those meetings. All right, Rich Russo. Let me ask you this: This was me totally being a wise ass on social media. Okay, when when a broadcast would show um, owners in the box or cheerleaders or something else. You know, I would sort of tweet out something like, I'm never watching the NFL again. How dare they not show the field 100% of the time and show me these owners and cheerleaders. I was basically just mocking people who were complaining about Taylor Swift. In all seriousness, no, I, I hear what Richie Zions is saying, and I do think like you got to figure out what the navigation is. But from your perspective in the director's chair, like, do you not have to sort of like, Talk to your camera operators before the game. Get a sense of where she's going to sit. I, again, I would just argue, given the level of star and given that this is someone who is in a relationship with a all-pro kind of player, I think you have to show her. So from the director's chair, how did you think about this? A thousand percent. I mean, of course you have to show her, but there really is a balance. I think if you show Taylor Swift 20 times in a game, it's going to be like, okay, enough already. I think you have to pick those two or three spots or points during the course of the game where those shots become effective and those shots become really meaningful. I think that's for any owner or any, you know, any, any type of crowd shots. I mean, yeah, we, we do stay on the field. That's, that's what we like to do. Uh, I'm not like a huge, let's go show all this crowd. I mean, I think if the crowd becomes a story, yes, but that's just not what I think is important. I'd rather get reactions of players uh, during the course of the game. But when you get somebody like, you know, like Taylor Swift or, or the owners, for example, so, some owners may lend themselves more than others. But again, if you're showing owners five and six and seven times, it's like, shit, enough already, you know. But if you show them at the right moments, at the right time, um, and they have some and they have meaning, because the, the most important things is those shots to be meaningful. And the volume of the amount of times you show them does not make does not necessarily mean that they're going to be meaningful. All right, Richie Zients, um, this is Fox's thirtieth year of doing the NFL. Both you and Rich Russo were there from the beginning. I am sure you could come up with a ton of answers for this, but can you give me one fun story about working for Fox way back in nineteen ninety four, year one? Rangers win the Stanley Cup in 1994. The next day, I'm on a plane to Los Angeles to meet my new boss, David Hill. So I was uh, not, I was in the first handful of people hired, and they were going to plan to do a few preseason football specials. And so they, they miscast me as the producer of one of those shows. So I'm going to meet David Hill for the first time. Now, a preseason football special in the way I grew up at CBS is you get 
you get some football analysts at your network and you sit them around and talk, talk football and go through the divisions and go through the teams and, you know, you project ahead and who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. Well, <clears throat> okay. So I go meet David Hill and he's different, man. I'll tell you, he, he's different. And we're talking about this show and all of a sudden David's talking about, we need a, a magician for this show and we need maybe get a comedian for this show. And I'm scratching my head going, Holy crap. What did I get myself into here? Like, this is not, this, this is, this is a new ball game. So two days later, after being in David Hill's office, trying to plan this preseason show, all of a sudden I'm on the phone with Sinbad's agent <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, what, what is, what has happened to me? You know? And so that was, that was the indication that Fox was not going to be business as usual. You know, Fox was going to be a place that was going to, they were going to carve a new path where anything was possible, where don't tell us this is the way we've done things. That's not the answer they were going to, they were going to settle for. It was take chances, make mistakes and have fun. And that was evident from my very first meeting with my new boss. Did, by the way, did you hire Sinbad for that show? We did not. Okay. We, we did not get a comedian. No, we did not. Thank goodness. All right, Rich Russo, I did a little bit of research. You can tell me from I believe your first year at Fox, you were on the Kevin Harlan, Jerry Glanville crew? That is correct. Okay, so yes. that, I would think that that crew itself, probably you could emerge some fun stories. If nothing else, to be part of uh, Kevin Harlan, and you know the younger Kevin Harlan was pretty awesome. And then obviously at that time, Jerry Glanville was huge. Man in black, right? Coming off the field. That must have been an interesting group. It, it, it really was. I mean, yeah, Kevin was 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 amazing. And, and Jerry, like you said, there was such a respect factor. Every stadium he went to, I mean, people just, they just loved him. And he was really, in some ways, like a character. Um, and we just had such a great time. I was with them for the for the one for the first year, and then after that, I went with uh, with Summerall and Madden for the next two two and three years. Um, but it was, I, I think, the funness of of Fox is so has been that way the entire time. I mean, when we got when I got to Fox, it was again as John Madden said, he called it. Fox Sports because all we had was football. And then football became, you know, NASCAR and hockey and then and then baseball. And then all of a sudden we have all these properties. Um, so I started with Kevin and, and Jerry, but I I was lucky and really fortunate to work with so many great people. And I just got so much so many great opportunities, you know, to work uh, at all these at all these different properties, um, which which was great. I remember we all went over to NFL Europe. And a lot of, you know, NFL Europe was really a place for, for not only the analyst and the play-by-play guys to start and to, to learn their craft and to see if they were going to be any good at it. It was also great for production people. And we went over there and, and shit, I, you know, the good thing is not a lot of people were watching, so I can screw things up with not, not a whole lot of people watching and learning. But I did learn the craft, and I learned that at that point I really wanted to be a director. So yeah, Fox is 30 years. It's just the, the it's just been so much fun and it's, it's all so much about relationships and and um you know throughout these 30 years and there've been so many great ones. You know, you think about you think about that first seminar and you know I I think back to who was in that room. Unknown broadcasters named Joe Buck, Kenny Albert, Kevin Harlan, Tom Brenneman. These were all guys 
if they were 30, I'd be surprised. And it was just a remarkable collection of young talent that these Fox executives went out and got, took chances on. And then you had the veterans, you had Madden and Summerall, and you had Dick Stockton. So you did have a blend of old and new, but that was quite an assortment of young talent. I want to got a couple more here for you. Um, I'm going to stay with you, Richie Zients. Um, you know, one of the things in talking to uh, you know people who are in your positions, but even sort of the the um, the executives above, uh, they're starting to talk about like sort of how AI artificial intelligence will impact broadcasts. Amazon seems to be very, very big on this in terms of sort of using AI to fuel a lot of their graphics and stat packages and stuff like that. Um, has that hit your broadcast yet? Is that, would, would you, is, has, has the use of AI at all um, impacted a Fox NFL broadcast? And if so, how? Richard, you're asking me about AI. I can, I can barely send a text message. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask Rich Russo. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Rich Russo, who, by the way, dropped two shits in this podcast, and I expected that I would be the one to do that. I know that's ahead, three three curses, which is awesome. I'm proud of you. Th- you yeah, both. yeah. My my apologies for that. <laughs> what about you, Rich Russo? Anything pop up there? I I, I honestly don't think so. In in our dealings, Richard, at least as of now, I mean, for how we do games, uh, um, I I don't think. It's become that prevalent as of this point, um, but that's not to say it, it won't. You know, again, we're, we're covering games, um, so that's what we focus on. Um, so I don't see it right now in, in, in any large capacity. Okay, I appreciate you answering that. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, a couple more here. Um, Richie Zions, you know, again, I, you're probably going to end up sort of defending your colleague here, and I understand that. But I, I will ask a question that I, I feel like a lot of fans and viewers sort of um, feel, and they certain hit up people like me on. Um, a lot of viewers who think the rules analysts um, are not critical enough of the refs, and that the rules analysts almost always agree with the referees' calls. Um, is that just um, football fans being a little emotional when they're watching the game, or is there something to that where it's hard for somebody who was a former referee to to be critical of the officials? And I ask that because obviously officiating, um, I mean, it really is a story every year, but it really seems to particularly be a bigger story this year. I don't know what games those people are watching, but I hear these guys critical all the time. To the, to the point where I bet if you were to pull the curtain back at the league headquarters, they're probably upset a lot with what these rules guys have to say. So I think these rules analysts are are, um, are critical, uh, are honest. I think sometimes, um, you know, you have to make sure that you use them at the right time, at the right moment. But I, I, don't, uh, I don't agree with uh, that assessment. I, I find these guys are critical almost to the point of, wow, <laughs> what are they going to think about that in New York? Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Rich Russo, when 
it's not a Super Bowl year for you at Fox for your crew. Um, how does how do things change? Do you then? I don't know. Do you like psychologically then look at the NFC Championship in some way as your Super Bowl? I'm I want to get a sense of what it's like for a like a in a non Super Bowl year for your group. I mean, honestly, Richard, it, it doesn't really change. I mean, a Super Bowl year, you know, we have more meetings, uh, more surveys, um, obviously leading up to the big game. But yeah, the championship game is the last game. But it it doesn't really change the way we go about week in and week out doing doing what we do. Um, and I really, I don't mean to just give you like a standard answer. Um, we're fortunate to do these big games every week. We're fortunate to do these 425 games every week. Obviously now the last, you know what, three weeks and then and then we have three more games in the playoffs leading, ending with the championship game. Um, you know, we'll have more equipment as the season goes on, as the playoffs go on. But, you know, the big thing is, is, we wanted we're there about covering the game and covering stories. Um, so it's not really going to change whether it's a Super Bowl year uh, or not. I think we all get excited um, for every week, especially now, you know, now that the seasons, you know, all these games, especially later in the year, they 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 add so much meaning. I mean, they're, they're all meaningful. And then you get to the playoffs, you realize, you know, it's 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 one and done for these teams. And. Uh, you know, so we just honestly just do the best job we can week in and week out. Um, but I think, you know, Super Bowl year is just a little different because just from a planning perspective. Um, but certainly once we get to the championship game, it's like, OK, this is a finality. And and of course, from even from a budget standpoint, we'll have more equipment and uh, more cameras as the playoffs roll on. But that's pretty standard uh, every year. If just for my listeners, Retruso, if you can, like, what would be the amount of cameras you would have for a championship game versus, let's say, the last week of the regular season? You know, for for the last week of the regular season, we might have you know twenty four, twenty five man cameras. You know, we may double that. We may go, you know, maybe forty, or maybe go twenty additional, eighteen additional cameras for the championship game. Um, you know, obviously, when you get to like a Super Bowl, you're you're even going more and more. But um, you know, the big thing, whenever you add cameras, Richard, you can't just add cameras for the sake of adding cameras. Right. There has to be a comfort level. There has to be a reason to add equipment to add cameras. And like Richie and I will will talk. Uh, you know, before games, before especially playoff games. You know, what's the best thing? What's the best way to add cameras? Whether they're a lot of, you know, you're talking about officials and, and replay and replay reviews, whether they're for live pictures, live shots, or for potential replays uh, that can just enhance the telecast. So volume doesn't necessarily mean it's better, but you just have to add the right way and you have to make sure that we're, you know, adding to, to cover the game uh, the right way. Richie Z, one of the things that's like always like interesting to me or fascinating is that I, I think all the top teams really do an incredible job on replays. Um, again, I, as I've tried to sort of tell my friends and just obviously as long as I've written this stuff, like it, it, you have to understand just how high skill level the people on these top teams have. Um, they're, they're the best of the best. You've never heard of them, but they're not in these positions unless they're that good. Yet with all the technology that you have and all the brain power that you have, you know, there are still some times on a replay <laughs> where you can't get the perfect shot. And I wonder for you as a producer, just how, I don't, is how frustrating is that? Because just, that is just the reality is of 
200 and 300 pound human beings sort of blocking cameras. I don't know, maybe 100 years from now, they're still doing football. The, the football will be digitized or something like that. So you'll always be able to see it. But um, what's it like at your position in the in the truck where it's like it's a key play? You've checked every single possible replay you have, but just the reality of the ball and the man, you, you just can't get the perfect look. Yeah, try getting the perfect look of a tush-push when you have just <laughs> exactly. ma- masses of humanity in there. Uh, you're right. Look, it, it, it can be just bad luck. You know, somebody steps in the way and the ball hits the ground and there's just, you know, deceptive angles can be deceptive and you don't have a perfect look or, or something happens uh, at the line of scrimmage and you don't necessarily have a camera at the line of scrimmage. There's, there's there's lots of different scenarios that no matter how you plan for it, no matter how many cameras you have, you you can't account for it. Now, I do think, you know, in a, in a, in a perfect world, the lines on a field, on a football field, sidelines, end lines, goal lines, there should all be cameras. And, you know, and, and, and maybe in an ideal world, the league will look into it and spend the money to – to take the onus off of television a little bit because so many of these games come down to calls along lines and, you know, most of the time TV will have it, but not every game has 24 man cameras, you know? And I, and I think with now with the advent of gambling and all these different things, um, you know, protect the lines on a football field. You know, you talk about the beginning of Fox, the first game I ever produced at, at CBS we had four cameras. We had four cameras and two replay machines. Wow! Uh, it was it was Tampa Bay at Indianapolis in 1988. It was Richie Zions producing his very first game, and it was a, a college football announcer at that time by the name of Jim Nance calling his first NFL game. No kidding! And we did a game, and we did a game, and it had four cameras. And I think the audience size was probably St. Elmo's in Indianapolis and Burn Steakhouse in Tampa. We probably had about a viewership of about, you know, 1,200 people. But we did it with four cameras, you know, and it just shows how far it's come. And getting back to the beginning of Fox, when Fox got the contract, I think there was something written in that there was going to be a minimal number of cameras. And I don't think Fox has ever done a game with less than, what do you think, Rose? Eight cameras, nine cameras? Yeah, yep, not, yep. I think in the contract right now is 10 cameras right at this point. For minimum. Minimum. Wow, that's correct. That's minimum. interesting. That's really fascinating. All right, final two. Rich Russo, um, I'm correct in this and that generally for a production meeting of of the group of people who are in the production meeting with players and coaches, you would ask the least amount of questions in your position. Is that fair to say? That's probably pretty accurate. Yes, I would say that. Okay, which means that you are doing probably the most listening, arguably, of anybody. So I I love – sort of i love like the production meeting because like those of us um outside like we're never in it and i've asked many people including like richie zions like you know which people they think might make for good broadcasters if they were if they ever entered the business etc cetera, etc cetera. so from your perspective i know that generally speaking the players and coaches are pretty good about sort of revealing stuff to you guys um knowing that you're you know you're you're, you're getting the stuff for background you're not going to burn them or anything like that over the years of you sitting in those meetings can you tell my listeners one or two people who are really over the top revealing or honest where they just were like you know what i'm not holding anything back from the broadcast crew i'm gonna tell you whatever i'm gonna tell you my first 15 plays etc cetera, etc cetera. who's really honest 
Well, from a, I tell you, from a coach standpoint, um, you know, I give you like, for example, Kyle Shanahan is very honest. Okay. Now, again, it has to do with relationships, really, with the analyst, and and he, and the play by play guy also. Um, but yeah, there are you know, player wise, Aaron Rodgers was always is always honest with our guys again because they have such great relationships with our crew. Just like they had great relationships with, um, you know, with Joe and Troy. Um, you know, a lot of the coaches, you know, Sean McVay gives you a lot. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, I and I think with Greg, you know, Troy was the same way. There's such a respect factor that they know that what's said in a, in a, in a, on a Zoom call or at a practice, whatever it happens to be, is not going anywhere. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, I mean, those are just some names that just come to my mind right away. Those are good. Richie, you agree with that? You agree with who we said? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's all about trust. You know, trust is built up over time and information is passed along. And, and um, you know, they make clear what's off the record. You talk to Brian Dable with the Giants and virtually everything he tells you is off the record. Uh, and he's And he's great. He's amiable and forthcoming. But, you know, some guys are a little more wary. Uh, it comes down to trust, how not to betray trust, how to uh, use communication skills to extrapolate, you know, what you're being told and to then, uh, you know, spit it out in a way where you're not violating a confidence, you know. Um, so I think all these broadcasters have to have to build trust when they start out and then they spend a career uh, trying to maintain that trust. All right. Last one. It's my favorite stuff. I love I love doing fantasy broadcasting. All right. So Richie Zions, I gi- I grant you the wish of working with any uh, play-by-play person and analyst. It does not have to be in the NFL, by the way. It can be any sport who you have never worked with before. So you're not really going to be choosing anybody at Fox. And it could be anybody historically. It could be someone who's, you know, it could be Cosell. It could be someone who's passed. So if I gave you the opportunity just to work one broadcast with a certain broadcast crew all time, who would you choose and why? Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go dip into history a little bit and say I would love to have worked with Ray Scott and Jack Buck at the Ice Bowl. That would have been that would have done it for me. You know, Ray Scott was Pat Summerall before Pat Summerall. In fact, Pat Summerall said of Ray Scott that he he ordered scrambled eggs as if it were fourth and goal, which I thought was a great a great tribute. And, and, and Jack Buck, who I actually did work with when I was very, when I was starting out, I mean, Jack Buck was just what a great voice. And I know he had a, just a great sense of humor. And I feel like if I could work with them, it'd be like living history, you know? So that's what I'm going to go with. I Buck love, and Scott. I love that answer. All right, Rich Russo, I assume you're not going to choose Sinbad. So I'm giving you the same, um, <laughs> I'm giving you this, I'm giving you the same question I just gave Rich Russo. You can direct any broadcaster either current or historical who do you choose and why i i was going to say jack buck i was going to say jack buck and hank stram Ooh, love that um i i just those two guys were just were icons and i just remember them as as a kid just listening to them i mean i know they did a lot of radio yeah, together Westwood one. Yeah. um but but it just it just for me i just remember as a kid being in the backyard and and listening to those two the other, the other one I would say, I mean, I'm a huge college football fan also, and I, I just love Keith Jackson. 
Um, you know, he, to me, just represented college football. And again, listening to him, I mean, college football, Keith Jackson says, you know, college football. He, I believe he worked with, with Dan with Fouts for a little bit, too. He did. He worked with a lot um, of guys. Yeah. That- he worked with a lot of guys. But he's the, he's the one guy, I think, uh, just from a college football standpoint. So those would be some names that I would throw at you. I love that. You say Keith Jackson, honestly, just makes me think of the Pac-10, Pac-12, you know, and like those games like yeah. that he would do at 3.30 on ABC. And, uh, Absolutely. And all those bowl games, yeah. you know, would just which is awesome. Yeah, and now, yeah, and sadly the Pac-12 was the, or the Pac-10, both gone. Uh, Richie Zients is the lead producer for Fox's NFL coverage. Rich Russo is the lead director for Fox's NFL coverage. Wherever the uh, Fox's top game of the week is, you will find those two guys in a production truck somewhere near the field. They have uh, Dallas at Miami this week, so good for them. They get a little bit of warm weather, which is always nice to for Cruz in December. Uh, Richie and Rich, I am sure our paths will cross again. Um, uh, I always appreciate uh, the time I get with you guys. I got great respect for what you do. And uh, thanks so much for coming on today, the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Richard. Yep, enjoyed it. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Richie Zients and Rich Russo for their time and insight. If you like these conversations, Please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how the podcast continues. Had a roundtable discussion earlier this week with Chad Finn on a lot of different sports media topics. Check that out. Uh, covering Shohei Otani and what that's like with my colleague Fabian Ardai, who covers the Dodgers, Laura Rutledge, Ernie Johnson, Joe Buck, Jason Benetti, all recent guests on this podcast. Again, if you like it, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast will continue. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.